I feel the need, the need for speed. Ow! Jumpy! A bunch of things must have gone wrong if you listen to this. Welcome to Double Feature, the podcast about twin films. I'm Dan. I'm Max. Max, if they read the episode description, yeah. they might know we tricked them. We tricked or did them. we announce these already last week? I don't week? remember. I don't remember. I, I think too. we might have. Uh, Valentine's uh, Fortnite goes on for a third week running. Yeah, what is, what is a term for a span of three weeks? It's probably a dumbass name for I'm it. googling it just a, tw- uh, a, a 21er oh this just says tri-weekly but that's not that could be something you do three times a week I never understand yeah, this like, right? is bicentennial every 200 years or twice every 100 years I don't fucking know uh well sin night is a week a fortnight is two weeks and then I I guess there's just nothing for three weeks I don't know. This is, we call it a three-weeker, an old 20-dayer of <laughs> Val Kilmer movies. We're going like to get a, into it. I like a little... just a three-weeker. Yeah, three-weeker. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what we call it here, at least. Um, yeah, Max, it sounds like you haven't been watching much else. No. So ask, so ask me what I've been watching, then. Uh, what you been watching? Boy, howdy. Did I see the movie that's going to save theaters? Yeah. 4K... Remaster, 3D re-release, James Cameron's 2009 masterpiece. You did did go? Avatar. Yeah, of course I went. And cool, I went on Saturday. Had a great time. Is it still in Um, theaters or was it a one-day thing? uh, I was there for the weekend. I don't know how long it's going to stick around. Then I probably Uh, missed it unless it's just hanging up here. Stick around. Well, I I saw that it did uh, outgross Don't Worry Darling, which is hilarious. Very funny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a movie that uh, I do want to see because uh, mainly because I've been hearing a lot about Hen- Hen- uh, Henry Styles. What's it? Harry Styles? Harry Styles spitting on Christopher Pine. Yeah, which maybe didn't happen. Don't know. Yeah, we're, I, we're like three weeks late to this news cycle. I, I'm not even trying to. I, which I didn't even really understand it. I was like, people yeah. were talking about it, and I'm seeing like people. It seems responses. like they're trying to drum up insane press for yeah. a movie that looks bad. Well, I. I, it took me about half a week to even see anything that was like directly related to like whatever incident may or may not have happened. Cause just for the entire time I was seeing like responses to people's responses and that was it. Yeah. And I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? And just there's the a meme f- of Chris Pine sitting there and that's it. Like, yeah. that's all I saw. There, there's a funny, um, fan edit somebody made where somebody, uh, edited in a dead goat. Uh, and it said, "Oh my God, Harry Styles dropped a dead goat on Chris Pine." I and did see that, and that, that, was, that was very funny. That was pretty, that was pretty damn funny. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that was a good. One. Yeah, that movie looks like shit. But you know what doesn't look like shit? <clears throat> Avatar. Uh, this movie uh, looks so much better than like any CG heavy movie that comes out now. Colors are bustling. Uh, this was like the 
the most polite theater I've ever been in in my life. Like no one was talking because everybody's just wearing their 3D glasses, completely engrossed in the magical world of Pandora. Uh, I fucking love Avatar. I know that you don't feel the same, but I think well, maybe you thing. would if you watched it in 3D, in glorious 3D again. I saw it in 3D the first time. Yeah, I know. But and um, it's being reappraised. The second time never happened because I've seen Avatar once, and that was yeah. when I saw it in IMAX when it was in Kool-Aid theaters was on the its exact first same run. Way, and he said he liked it so much more than he did back then. I honestly couldn't even tell you how I felt about it back then other than I thought that it looked good. Yeah. That's it. That's the only lasting memory of that film that I have. The storyline's great. I mean... Uh, it's Pocahontas. Movie, it, it, or Fern you Gully. Always, you always say it. It's not those things. I mean, it is. It's It's been... It's, it's the Iraq cons- War more than anything. I mean, it's it has the exact same, like, story you beats You just Fern said Gully you don't Pocahontas. remember the movie. Yeah, I but know that's it the, fucking that is the up consistent and down. discourse of that. You, I could have... By yeah, who? If I said anything close to negative about Avatar, you'd disagree with me no matter what it was. You're right. Yeah, so... Yeah, it's more about the Iraq war than anything. Metaphorically, sure. I mean, no. I mean, just the themes of it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But I'm not not talking themes. I'm talking story beats. Yeah, whatever. I don't know. No, no one. I don't remember the plot of Pocahontas. No one ever said thematically Avatar is Pocahontas. They said this is the same storyline as Pocahontas. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe Pocahontas is a perfect film too. I have to revisit it. Go watch it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean, the white people do a nine eleven to the blue people. Jake Sully has to abandon. Do you think that's why they put it identity back in and theaters body. around the same time as 9-11? In short, no. I think they're just drumming up excitement for Avatar 2 The Way of Water, which, if you stick around, this is not a spoiler in any way. Uh, there is a, a, a scene from Avatar The Way of Water that plays after You mean uh, to tell Avatar me there wasn't, in, in the first release of Avatar... There wasn't a scene for Avatar 2? No, there wasn't, unfortunately. That would wow. be sick if they planned that far ahead, but no. Wow. Um, as good as Avatar looks, the new footage for Way of Water, somehow even better. Holy shit, this movie's going to be insane. Can't fucking wait. have no idea what it's going to be about other than will be about water in some way. Uh, Who knows? We, we, in, in the scene we get, it's a That looks a like young, it is still in uh, theaters up here. Yeah, uh, there's a young Navi boy who speaks English, uh, conversing with a, a crazy whale, uh, helping it out of a jam, kind of a mouse and the lion situation, um, maybe a Resident Evil for wolf uh, situation, something like that. I'm assuming the whale's going to come back and help him later, uh, but we don't see that much. But goddamn, this movie looks fucking incredible uh, visually. Uh, no idea what it's about. <laughs> maybe I'll go see. Maybe I'll go see it on Wednesday. There's a 4:45 showing. Just going with an open mind, man. I mean, James Cameron made the most popular movie ever, and it's like violently anti-government and like American world. It'd be pretty policing. tough for me to go into Avatar with a closed mind 
considering I have very little preconceived notions on either side of the aisle about it. Um, Everybody freaked out. I guess there's a lot of online discourse about how they cut the sex scene, which... uh, Wait, they don't hair fuck? Well, so... The original, original theatrical release... Do they cut all the parts where they ride animals, too? No. Listen to me, motherfucker. (laughs) No, they do all that stuff. The original, original theatrical cut... So what? It's okay for them to fuck the horses, but it's not okay for them to fuck each other? Uh, Yeah, it's a family movie. Um, (laughs) That's fucked up, dude. So this is the original theatrical cut, uh, which did not have the hair fucking scene. I guess a couple months after the original theatrical cut, they introduced an extended theatrical cut, which is not the same as the fully extended cut. And that extended theatrical cut is what most people saw because the buzz was crazy. Everybody was seeing Avatar. And that's what has the actual hair fucking. The the two hmm. extended cuts have the actual connection of their hair. This still has the sex scene, everything leading up to it, but it cuts out a couple of seconds where they actually uh, put their hair together. Well, then I saw the extended cut when I saw it yeah. in theaters because I do remember the hair fucking. Um, now, I would be interested to see, and maybe you do have thoughts on this, considering that I have watched one James Cameron specific extended cut for this very podcast and that it is actively detrimental to the quality of the film the end product so so i've seen the fully extended cut and i've seen the original theatrical cut i've never seen that like kind of extended what they call Mm -hmm. extended theatrical cut which that sounds like maybe that's the best version because it only adds like eight to ten minutes to the movie and includes the hair fucking uh, the fully extended cut, I still love, but uh, there's like a ton of backstory on like uh, Dr. Grace Augustine and like her Navi school and stuff where she's like teaching the Navi children. Um, there's there's some scenes that don't need to be in it necessarily. I think the movie as a whole, you already like Dr. Grace Augustine enough without more building her up. Um it is kind of weird when she just is in the Navi city again. Like they just kind of say it in passing and then she's there and then she shows up during like a argument and it's like, Oh yeah, I forgot you're kind of hanging around now too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, the cut that's in theaters is, is really good, but maybe that semi extended is a little better. I love avatar. Everybody should go see avatar while it's in 3d. Everybody should get hyped for, uh, the Way of Water. It's going to be one of the highest grossing movies ever because James Cameron never misses. Um, yeah. Theater loved it. There, there was one point where uh, Stephen Lang's character is like him and Giovanni Rabisi are like up to something. And they're like doing some shitty. I think it's when they're attacking the home tree. And um, those guys are always up to something, man. And some old lady. This was like the only talking that anyone did in the theater. Just heard her super genuinely say, those assholes and me and Kool-Aid like busted a gut (laughs) but other than that just dead silent um which I was expecting more more general excitement but everybody just insanely respectful of James Cameron's uh masterpiece um I'll get off Avatar for a minute uh are we gonna get uh, back to Avatar I mean everything always comes back to Avatar in some way uh I watched this insane movie from 1991 
It's called Hiroko the Goblin. Uh, I want to watch ja- that. I added that to my watch list <laughs> so fucking fast. You have no idea. Because isn't it like directed he's, he's, by the guy who did Tetsuo? Yeah, the Tetsuo, the Iron Man, and Tetsuo. They made another Tetsuo movie. Oh, he's made like I, four of them. Yeah, I did not know about that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, this movie's sick. <laughs> uh, it's based on a manga called, of the same name. Um, really really prepare your expectations for what a goblin is in your mind because this has nothing to do with the goblins we know judging Um, by the picture the the picture i guess i I, the cover art there's not a letterbox cover art yeah there's not a lot to go by i see um uh, like a hasu style like disembodied head with like spider legs maybe yeah, those are the goblins <laughs> that's what the goblins look like but then i was also like well maybe it's this guy just with like kind of spiked hair or some sort of like spiked headdress and we're just calling him a goblin like it's like uh like a lost in translation kind of like it's supposed to be like hiroko the punk but uh-huh. The localization yeah, yeah, yeah. made it like Hiroko the <laughs> Goblin or something, you know? But, well, that's fun. This is more like a Japanese folklore, maybe what they would... And it could be a, a wrong translation thing, but what they call a goblin in some sort of folklore terms, which is different from the little green, I'm guessing like European mythology-style goblin. Um, but yeah, this movie, <laughs> this movie was insane. Uh, not quite house tier of uh crazy stuff happening but i mean not far off either there's some there's some wild shit going on yeah a guy uh a, a guy has a theory about goblins that we don't fully understand and how they're like affecting our world and he's experienced loss and uh his friend who's researching something unrelated uh calls him to show up because uh, he's worried it might have something to do with goblins. So he shows up with a magical goblin, like, um, divining rod machine that he's made that looks like the gun, the homemade gun they used to kill Shinzo Abe. Uh, and uh, it's just, like, him and, like, school children running around trying to figure out what's going on with this goblin, why everybody's dying and stuff. Shinya Sukamoto has... He's so very influenced by... Uh, like Japanese gun laws, uh, just in general, because he has another movie called Bullet Ballet that, like, is entirely about a man just trying to get a gun to kill himself, and he like gets wrapped up in like yakuza stuff, but like with that, and then like just Tetsuo itself, uh, being just about sort of like all these different like industrialized issues and stuff. And I mean, there's also like one, I think the third one or fourth Tetsuo is called Tetsuo, the bullet man. Like yeah. the man's got guns on the brain. He's still, alive. he's got we stuff gotta, to say. We, we got to get him to make a magical realism, a uh, guy who killed Shinzo Abe movie. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. We'll, we'll double feature that with a uh, Mishima life in four parts. It's but it's like a uh, it, it ends up being like the person like the gun is not a homemade gun it becomes like a Tokyo Gore Police like that which is an actual movie but uh like that that genre of 
I mean, I guess Tetsuo is kind of like that, but the genre of Japanese cinema where like people just like become these like abominations of like flesh yeah. and machine and like yeah. hybrid people, animals, and all the, like whatever wacky. He gets shit that crazy that bone is. gun from Existence, a yeah, movie yeah. we haven't seen, but no, it has a bone gun. So it's not about <laughs> him like making a homemade gun; it's about turning himself into a homemade gun. Yeah. So that he and can then go it's the kill origin Shinzo story Abe. for Trigun. Yeah. Yeah. What is the, um, is there a name for like whatever that genre is? Because like that's a whole thing with just like kind of like the wet, the crazy prosthetics and like was that like it wasn't? There's no way that was like started by Tetsuo. Like, no, I, I don't maybe know. you know what I'm talking about though, right? I know. Yeah, I mean, it's like a whole like genre of falls in with like body Japanese horror body horror. Or yeah, but yeah, I don't know if there's a more specific. I mean, they have names for a lot of stuff that mm-hmm. we don't, so maybe. It, it's uh, it's wild how it just limited the English language is in terms of, like, concepts. Yeah. We do not have words to explain. Th- it's just such a basic-ass language. What's, you know? what's that German word for when there's not a good American word for something? Oh, I don't know. I don't <laughs> I'm, making, I'm, just, I'm just making a joke. No, I'm, there probably usually, is one. Yeah, there there might be because there's a good German phrase for like everything. You're like, oh damn, like uh, the one of like staircase argument. It like literally translates to staircase argument when you think of the perfect thing to say right after you leave an argument. Yeah, like god damn, uh, these guys are good. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. It's just like we don't have words for things. We just like we have words for dog, cat. It's just like we saw shit and we made words for it. We're like. Pfft. Good enough. Doesn't matter. It's like, it's like in Pulp Fiction when he says Bush doesn't stand for shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, is uh, saying, this is saying that Tokyo Gore Police is a splatter film, an action splatter film. So maybe, but I, splatter films were just like excessively gory. So like. Uh, well, I'm, I'm getting a storm surge uh, warning on my phone right now. Already? Jeez. All right. Yeah. Well, let's get this. Let's get this on with. I guess, since you're actively awaiting a hurricane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Might die or whatever. Um. Yeah. Let's uh. Let's talk some flyboy movies, dude. We're uh, like we said, we're returning to Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer. I said Val Kilmore. What the fuck is going on? He's gonna this kill fucking more. Phone alerts fucking with my head. Uh, but yeah, we're uh, we're talking uh, two movies about headstrong fighter pilots attempting a dangerous mission. They're uh, 1986 Iron Eagle and Top Gun. Uh, Top Gun 1986, directed by Tony Scott, starring Tom Cruise, Kelly McGillis, Val Kilmer, Anthony Edwards, and Tom Skerritt. U.S. Navy pilot, uh, fighter pilot Pete Maverick Mitchell and his radio intercept officer Nick Goose Bradshaw have earned their way into Top Gun, an elite combat flight school. Uh, Maverick, trying to read my own writing, it's in type, so it should be easy. <laughs> Maverick tries to court a woman at a bar and fails, the next day realizing she's Charlie, a civilian Top Gun instructor. Despite flying recklessly, Mav and Goose are contenders for the top of the class trophy with the more textbook flying Iceman in the lead. Maverick learns valuable lessons in his romance with Charlie Gross. 
But one day, during a training exercise, they're forced to eject from their plane and Goose is killed. Maverick is absolved of uh, any wrongdoing, but he is shaken and briefly quits Top Gun. After some lashing out and some pep talks, he shows up for graduation and congratulates Iceman on taking the trophy. The boys are quickly called into real action, defending a naval vessel from the enemy. Iceman and Hollywood are deployed to engage with Maverick, waiting his backup. Hollywood goes down quick, and Mav is in the fight, first faltering, but then summoning the courage of Goose to defeat the enemies alongside Iceman and win the day. For his bravery, he is given his choice of assignment and returns to Top Gun as an instructor. He and Charlie reunite at a bar over a cold Budweiser. The movie had a $15 million budget and made an astounding $357.3 million at the box office. It's got a letterboxed average rating of 3.3, Rotten Tomatoes critic of 58, and user of 83. Wow, what what good good that sounds like. Wowie, uh, Iron Eagle. <clears throat> Sorry, I just I lost my tab. I was that was completely just stalling. Uh, Iron Eagle is for, also from 1986, directed by Sidney J. Fury. It stars Jason Gedrick and Louis Gossett Jr. Doug Masters is a wannabe hotshot aerial ace, and after he learns his father has been shot down over the Mediterranean. Doug, or the Mediterranean Sea, Doug enlists the help of his friends to convince retired Colonel Chappie Sinclair to help him stage a rescue effort. The children prove not only their worth, but the incompetence of the U.S. military by breaking into several secure buildings and impressing Chappie. The team only has three days to pull all of this off, so they spend two of the three days planning out the mission and having giggle fits while Doug's father awaits his death at the end of a noose. Doug and Chappie set off on their mission just in time to be seven minutes late for their intended arrival at the base where they are holding Doug's dad. But Doug plays some of his rad tunes and they end up being only four minutes late. They stage their mission and make it out alive, except Chappie is shot down and dies and Doug's dad gets shot. Doug is found not guilty of any crimes or anything and Chappie ends up being alive after he sort of just shows up back back on screen and tells us he is okay. The end. They make two more of these, all about Chappie. (laughs) <laughs> Doug is not in them. Uh, <laughs> Doug is very much the main character of this movie. We even set up that he goes to flight school at the end of this. Uh, and nope, we're going to follow Chappie. Uh, it has a Rotten Tomatoes critic score of 20, an audience rating of 57, letterboxed user review rating of 2.7, had an estimated budget of $18 million, and went on to gross $24 million worldwide, which was enough, again, to spawn... Two sequels starring Louis Gossett Jr. Uh, it's insane that this movie actually had a higher budget than Top Gun because uh, it looks it so ain't much on the worse. screen. Yeah, yeah, they, it's, uh, they're 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 uh, Top Gun does a good job of hiding how hard it would be to shoot fighter jets actively fighting each other in 1986 or at any point ever yes um to at least make the scenes where they are flying jets seem exciting uh iron eagle not only does not try uh it does not succeed in making anything look exciting because it's a lot of just wide shots of planes flying through empty space um, yeah, so a big issue with these and historically with like movies about planes and specifically about aerial combat is 
it's since you're in the sky it's so hard to like root the audience in any sense of space one because it's so hard to film up there and two just it's the sky so you can't really tell like how close or anything well and top gun uh, has those problems is. but top top gun definitely has those problems too but overcome it definitely better by being more visually interesting with camera and editing choices and really leaning on uh the guys in the planes and people talking over radio and stuff conveying where people are, how they're coming in. Like you got so much of, uh, um, Iceman's RIO, uh, like yelling in that last fight. Like he's, he's firing bank left, whatever. Like he's coming right around on me. He's got me dead to rights, whatever. The, the characters through dialogue are like explaining the stakes and the sense of space to us. So I think it's at least somewhat useful. Don't really get that in Iron Eagle. And Iron Eagle, every time anything explodes, you'll get just a super quick cut to the thing and see it normal. And then a really noticeable cut. And then it's exploding. Yeah. And it looks really bad. And whenever it's a plane, it just looks like the plane is suspended in space when they cut to it. Because it is. Uh, Because they're blowing up models. Yeah. Oh, man, it looks rough. As somebody who, you know, is a fan of admittedly terrible horror movies from every decade, uh, I, I was tickled by that. I appreciated them using, like, you know, like, pretty run-of-the-mill just, like, prop planes to actually blow the shit out of, uh, and come like that definitely comes with that just kind of like static shot just jump cut to a model plane exploding and that 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 was fun to me if if the movie matched that like it looks ridiculous if the movie matched that like schlocky grindhouse style energy of those practical effects it could be good but well, it that- does not it just wants a, us to think those are good looking effects which they aren't that's kind of a big part of what uh, there's is one of like the, is or I guess is the issue with Iron Eagle is that it like wants to be like Red Dawn but not focus on any of the kids at any like for any particular extended period of time except for Doug um or so like, Jason Jedrick, who plays Doug, at least in this movie, is doing a bad job. Oh, he's horrible. Like, um, he's a really bad actor in this movie, so, at least. I'm so not like, familiar with much of his other work. Because we get all those like sequences of like the kids doing stuff so that they so it's like, do you wanna be a movie about kids going on this mission, or do you wanna be a like Rambo but he has a kid? sidekick sort of like gritty like action movie and it decides instead to just straddle that line and that like just kind of makes it feel pretty toothless in terms of like what style it was trying to go for because i think if i think if they leaned either way and kept everything the same except like you know, tonal stuff and like the different like setup, I guess, 
So like either you have like a different beginning of the movie or a different end of the movie, either which way you end up with a much better movie where it's like Chappie is like this, like, you know, the same guy, but now it's like Doug just being like, Chappie, you got to take me over there. And they like leave immediately where then Doug like proves himself over there, like over there yeah, during so the rescue much mission. Of this movie is Chappie training up Doug. Or it was the kids by the skin of their teeth like managed to make it out and it's like just the kids going on this mission and you turn it into this like Goonies meets Red Dawn sort of like rescue action comedy thing like both of those are much better more interesting movies than what we got which is two and a half hours of training montages and 30 minutes of just kind of flaccid dog fights yeah um let's get into some of it uh <laughs> the movie opens with a dog fight in action uh some american fighters uh being approached by an enemy it's uh by migs man it's those yeah, damn it's migs migs it's, were the terror uh, of 1986 apparently absolutely it's um it's doug's dad we find out and he's uh shot down and captured uh by vaguely the enemy from some middle eastern country uh, huge fatal flaw of this movie and uh, results in it being incredibly racist is uh, presenting so much of the actual enemy whereas Top Gun vaguely just calls them the enemy uh, no no flag is flown uh, they're wearing their black visors the entire time we see their faces so yeah, and they never they're just vaguely they're vaguely the enemy yeah whereas Top Gun is a successful movie, I think, despite being purposeful, intentional Navy propaganda. Uh, this movie has all of those same issues, but it's also just like fully racist towards uh, whatever vague, I guess, 80s we're talking. I mean, same guys like Iran, Afghanistan, maybe I, some, I, some vague Middle Eastern country. I believe it's supposed to be uh syria because this kind of follows in the footsteps of a sort of like similar uh like or historically around the same time like attack on syrian soil which is like according to like some of the stuff i read is like partly the inspiration for this movie which is like weird if you're gonna like make a movie about like a panned american attack on syrian soil but then take no steps to provide any sort of like commentary about it in any way. Right. It seems really fucking bizarre. Yeah, this is just outwardly Islamophobic to a vague uh, Middle Eastern country. Or, or um, I'm sorry, not Syria, Libya. Libya. Okay. Libya. Um, so the Gulf so of that Sidra happens. incident. He, he gets captured... Uh, we cut to Doug uh, getting ready. Uh, his little brother's on the phone talking to a hot chick from school who thinks he's older than he is. And he's like, get the fuck out of my room. Uh, weird way to introduce us to our main character, Doug, because he's immediately getting bullied by his alpha younger brother. <laughs> really weird to set him up this way. I want me to root for him. Uh, he drives his car away fast to like the drive-in restaurant, whatever where the kids hung out, I guess, in the 80s, in this Air Force town. Um, 
he gets in a little scuffle with um uh some guy who races a dirt bike and he's like harassing his girlfriend or whatever and we find out it's because uh he wants to race his dirt bike against Doug racing his like twin prop little plane uh so eventually he's goaded into doing that uh one of the friends of Doug that's around is the guy that plays Lamar from Revenge of the Nerds uh Revenge of the Nerds huge movie in my childhood despite as I think I've mentioned on here before aging horribly um but yeah Lamar is the like like effeminate uh seemingly closeted gay nerd uh it's weird because everybody's like good at books and stuff and like computers and then he's a nerd because he's a gay guy uh um sorry can't get on revenge of the nerds we got we got stuff to talk about so he's got to race the dirt bike through like a mountain trail and uh he's got to stay 50 feet above the ground which sounds insanely dangerous found out uh some other guy has attempted this flight and died in the process but he's doing it anyway um i i mentioned at some point the movie has a wildly light-hearted tone so far there's like goofy music and stuff playing there's a lot of original songs well this is the kind of about what's going on like it's if it had kept this like light-hearted sort of like comedic tone which it doesn't even do a good job of striking at this point too because we we spend like an extended period of time where like this guy notcher or whatever is just like a huge day like they're way too like antagonistic to be like 80s like yeah he like like 80s movie bully we find out he sabotaged the plane so once doug barely beats him he gets out and he's like you could have killed me and then he just punches him and they're done with it yeah like yeah it's it's a little too serious i don't know if they had like just done this like oh this is kids doing crazy kid stuff and then immediately gotten serious it would have been okay i guess because it's like you show him as a child and then this crazy thing that's happening to his dad forces him to uh become a man immediately but they don't really do that uh oh at some point we found out he got rejected from uh air force flight school because he has bad grades or something he got Um, like one f or as he calls it um, who's spending I, too much time at the flight simulator, which we see many times, which it's just him. It's not what flight simulators are now that actually like people can learn to fly using a flight simulator. It's just like him sitting in a chair and like an LED screen saying enemy approaching. He's like, oh, I do this. It's really weird. It's, it's like live bizarre. action role play. Uh, it happens a lot in this movie. I can't imagine we're really going to talk about it again because it's it doesn't work visually. It definitely doesn't work us trying to describe it after the fact yeah and i I, if if i'm making this movie i'm probably just getting rid of the notcher character entirely and like if you wanted to do this like stunt sequence just have it be like oh no one's ever been able to like fly through this gulch before and here goes doug to prove his worth because he's all excited about or it's completely pointless or to be like just to like you know he like gets rejected from flight school and is like i'll show them i can fly and then he takes his right that's literally better yeah do do you like eliminate so much time because like the movie ends up just being like bloated too super like time wise where it's like if you really want to do that sequence because they got some like hot shot like stunt flyer guy to like come and do it like uh 
there's a way you can do that without introducing three more characters for no fucking reason. And like they even introduced the girlfriend character, which we don't like she shows back yeah, up during did. one of the montages, but doesn't do anything. Right. Yeah. There's a whole cast of characters, <clears throat> including uh Shawnee Smith. Uh, I mean, might be my guy of the week uh, too early to tell, but uh, Shawnee Smith just randomly shows up in this as just like a member of his Eagles flight gang. Like, yeah, I didn't even remember when she got introduced, but then she's suddenly doing something when they're doing their like quote unquote heist thing later. Um, so yeah, he, he finishes the race. Uh, somebody's got bad news or something. You got to get home fast. It's your dad. He finds out his dad's uh, been captured. Uh, and uh, the, the whatever evil country that has him, uh, they don't have any demands. Uh, this is just like them standing strong against American aggression. Uh, presumably maybe he'll be executed. We find out, uh, I think a couple days after this, maybe just the next day or something that, uh, uh, his dad's got three days to live and, they'll, and then he'll be hanged. Um, I don't know why I wrote it down here, but I wrote a note that Jason Gedrick, the main character, Doug in this, uh, had been in, had been in one time he had already been in risky business in a tiny role movie that stars tom cruise and then after this he was uh, he had a tiny role in born on the fourth of july so around his this this movie also i should mention came out before top gun somehow this is one of those weird situations where the one that came out first is not the one that's remembered by any means yeah uh it's happened a couple times on the pod so far i, I thought it was super weird and irrelevant like just kind of like i guess continuing to kind of like things that i would have done differently for this movie is not have his dad be a character in the movie outside of the opening scene at any fucking point every single time it goes to his dad like in jail it does not come off as like a ticking clock scenario or anything like that it's just uh, Middle Eastern caricatures and his dad telling him that he's not going to sign some confession thing. Like yeah. we didn't need it as a subplot that gets like yeah. ten full uh, minutes on it, its own. It's, it's just more racist stuff making these evil uh, Middle Easterners uh, appear more evil. It's like, okay, we get it. If you want this to be a hoorah American movie, whatever. I mean, I can just ignore geopolitics watch the movie as it is and accept that you want the american guy to be the good guy i can accept that for the movie uh you don't have to <laughs> go to painstaking lengths to uh portray these guys as evil right um and you, you don't you especially don't need this scene that i want to talk about where all of his friends are trying to cheer him up that his dad will be okay when uh one of them says uh he tries to bring up when something like this happened before. I don't really know because it's not topical anymore, but uh, he's like, yeah, but what about what happened when whatever this incident is? And his friend says, uh, they had uh, Mr. Peanut in the White House back then, which they're talking about Jimmy Carter. Uh, but now they have Ronnie Reagan, who will be harsh to these wimpy countries. Uh, they just keep saying, yeah, this is just one of those little fake wimpy countries. It's like, God damn, fucking suck. Uh, it's so fast. <laughs> saying Ronnie Ray gun was insane to me. Um, yeah, that's that's all wild stuff. Uh, yeah, so now his friends, like, we, we just saw that his dad is, you know, 
going to be tortured and put to death in this country. So what do we do back home? Well, we got to go to our school dance of some sort. Yeah, he wants to get his mind off it. Uh, and then we spend a lot of time not doing anything about our sort of like main problems here. This is when we get Doug going to the flight simulator a lot. Yeah, he he just is like talking to whoever he can about why he should be able to like lead a mission to get his dad because he logged time on the flight sim. And this seems so insane. It's so weird. People like are like obviously we're not going to trust you with a plane to yeah, go right? we do can't a send mission. you over there. We weren't even going to put you in flight school, you fucking idiot. What are you talking about? Uh but uh he talks to Chappie uh, who's uh, been in the military for a long time? He yeah, starts well, yelling do you at know Chappie how, about? Do you know how long he's been in the military? Twenty-two damn fucking years. Yeah, did I, you write that down too? Yeah, insane. <laughs> I, that he I says had to replay the same damn the scene fucking. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I said, did he just say damn fucking? And I rewound it, and yes, he sure says. I've given this country twenty-two damn fucking years of my life. Yeah, he's, he's doing a good job though. Which, like Louis Gossett Jr. Chappie is easily the highlight of this movie to me because he's acting his ass off around these fucking yeah, idiot he's, kids he's he's, he's cool putting an effort uh but uh doug kind of just negging Chappie ends up working so now they go up into the plane and uh do some stuff but we do get a flashback uh before that and i did write down another line that just i was so confused that it was a flashback when it happened <clears throat> yeah but it just cuts back to him in a plane with his dad with his dad and like his dad would like sneak him up there to like do like little training missions and stuff and uh they get down there and um uh doug's dad's like mad at him for being autistic and having to listen to music to do anything i guess um yeah that's a thing he keeps putting on tapes he puts on music which is fine like it's they're just giving him like a character note but it's like he has to have the music and, on and like giving to excuses anything. to have needle drops in the movie yeah exactly like in world reasons to have so, these needle drops for their origin mostly original songs so doug's dad's like giving him the business for uh you know kind of not not focusing or you know being kind of locked into these things and uh doug says come on dad and his dad's response is don't is we're literally verbatim don't come on me dad and it's like that's not even what doug said <laughs> i did not but, catch that oh yeah oh, he geez. yells don't come on me dad which oh god oh he's saying don't he's like saying in quotes come on don't come on me dad but, yeah yeah okay, which is I like see. but it's it, you would have said don't come on dad me and he says, don't come on me, dad. <laughs> hey, I was mad at this movie for not being nearly as gay as Top Gun is. And you just proved me wrong. There's, yeah, there's it's, a big gay line. It's gay and incestuous. Uh, um, but then we, this is when we get just the kind of like, we get literally back to back montages at this point. Because now it's the kids having to do a montage to get all of this stuff together yeah luckily like all, they're all like air force they're like air force brats so mm-hmm. they're like getting information and stuff together like messing with their dads in their offices which and again stuff. this is um, this is the stuff where it's like if this was the whole movie and it was literally like this goonies meets red dawn kids going overseas to become a terroristic 
freedom fighter force to get one guy's dad out of if it was more like real genius libyan prison yeah uh then i'd be into it but this is the only scene where we get kind of like that vibe so they get everything together and then doug shows up at chappie's place and is like i printed out all of these pictures don't you see that i'm like useful now and we go immediately into another montage of just kind of chappy drawing lines on maps and then making Doug read him stuff uh, while he jogs. Now, keep in mind, we are on a three-day clock, and this has eaten mm-hmm. at least a day of it. Yeah. Yeah, this is like his training up, getting him ready for the mission shit, whatever. Chappie's still not even sure he's going to take him on the mission. Chappie goes for a jog. And then makes yeah. Doug stand in the bathroom with him while he takes a shower. Uh, yeah. And reads him uh, more documents. It, at some point, uh, he's going to have to read documents. He's like, you like Italian? He's like, oh, sure, I like Italian. And then they just are at an apparently Italian restaurant. Right. O- only black people are in this restaurant, and it looks like a jazz club or something. It's like really low lighting like cigarette smoke everywhere in the air there's like a jazz singer performing and chappie's just like eating a charcuterie board it's fucking insane scene i had no idea what was going on uh but then it just cuts back to the dad being tortured um yeah they're training and stuff and so does anything else really happen until (sighs) the night before the mission uh, I mean, just to kind of wrap up like every all of this, like just in brief, it's <clears throat> Doug and his like friends are hanging out with Chappie. They're still going over it. They've got like, built this like somewhat two scale model using, you know, random stuff in Chappie's trailer to, uh, sim- you know, build a model of the base they're going to be attacking. So they're still like planning it out. Chappie, uh, they, they managed to somehow get an f-16 so that they can go on a training run with live ammunition at a firing range so they do that doug's like i gotta have my music on because chappie's trying to make him do it the right way and doug's like i'm gonna do it my way so he puts on his headphones he misses he misses at first then he puts on the music and he's like perfect shot so that's about it and now it's like the night before uh the mission and we get um an, another sort of irrelevant scene even though louis gossett jr acts well in it of learning uh chappie's tragic backstory where he led a bunch of kids into combat and all of them died and he's just going off about how there were pieces of them everywhere uh and that's why he didn't want to take a kid into combat um, uh, yeah yeah that's the only reason not to take a kid which is which is the closest we get in this movie to making any sort of uh commentary about just like the military industrial complex of the united states um yeah, the horrors of war <clears throat> yeah and how we we just constantly send children to uh endure those kill, horrors kill and die yeah um, um but but then you know it's okay because Doug proved that he can fly a plane while listening to yeah. Huey Lewis in the news or whatever. So, <laughs> uh, that's okay to put him in into an F 16 when all is he's, he's flown, uh, before this are single prop Cessnas, um, yeah. for probably about 20 minutes at a time. Yeah. So we're going to so go Cha- overseas Chappie, to Libya. Yeah, Chappie yells at him a lot to go to bed. 
Uh, so Chappie can record a confessional tape to him to play in the event of Chappie's death. Uh, so we hear a little bit of that, and uh, he gives him the tape. They get their F-16s. I don't know how they like pulled this off, really. It doesn't make sense, but somebody lets them fly two F-16s. They fly away. It's like they're saying they're doing a training mission or something, but they leave the range of the training mission and uh, have to go into radio silence or whatever. Uh, so they're just talking to each other. At this point, they spend a long time where Chappie just the two of them we just see them in the cockpit and Chappie just in dialogue just says every single thing they're going to do uh, for the, a really long that, time. And that's not the first it's time it's fun to this listen to Chappie. He's got a good voice. He's got a good voice. Yeah. Least, uh, this this sort of just kind of like expo dump by way of like trying to hide it in what is just like a conversation between people um and not like it not going well um happens a couple of times uh yeah because it's not like somebody like it's not like a traditional expo dump i guess where like somebody just kind of presents this information it's like hey we're gonna have this character remind doug what he has to do and you know kind of thing um which i think you know there's a way to do that where it's not obnoxious and horrible if it's just like we already knew the plan Right. But that was like 30 minutes ago in the movie and you have Chappie just being like, now remember, we need to do this first. And Doug's like, yeah, right. yeah, I get it. Uh, so what Christopher Nolan's always been so brilliant at. He spends the whole movie <laughs> explaining exactly what's going to happen so you understand it when it all happens at the end. But they don't do it here. <laughs> right. It's just very it's <laughs> He just very has clumsy. to say it again. Yeah, it's a mess. Um, but, but it's okay. and also we're hearing it for the first time, so it it's like right. feels yeah. w- like very weird. Yeah, spend um, some of that training montage just letting us know what's going to happen here. Um, yeah, especially when you have a sequence where they have like a scale model of this base and saying, "Okay, right. Doug, you're going to come in here and do that." But no, and they then get, um, they get there, they engage the enemy, uh, they take him down. Chappie's hit though; he's going down. Uh, he insists. Uh, you keep going, follow the mission, and play that tape I made you. Uh, it's it's a classic. If you're listening to this tape, I guess that means I went down. Yeah. <laughs> sure is what happened, but uh, Chappie's, like, giving him a pep talk. He's, like, giving him the option to turn around and head for wherever they have an American, like, safe place he can go to. But it's like, all right, if you're still playing this tape, I guess you decided to go on. I'm proud of you, whatever. Which, which comes um, off as just, like, it, like if this is like a comedy you'd have a bit where he's like now like it becomes like a choose your own adventure tape cassette he's like now if you chose to turn around put in tape a <laughs> yeah if you continued fighting keep listening <laughs> yeah something like that like kind but of it's thing. not it's just I mean, like a, you, know, you get just like a sequence of him like dropping tapes and stuff um, would be like be enemy great. air yeah definitely yeah i mean that would be good as uh it's so funny because they keep using this LED screen that they had in the um, in the simulator where it'll say just like really obvious stuff. Like it, it, at one point, it just came across his LED indicator. It says enemy aircraft approaching. Yeah, and he can like already see the plane. It's so funny, and he can like see it with his eyes and on radar. Again, like, goddamn, this is so goofy. A funny bit for to like for that would be like enemy airplane approaching, and he like looks up, and they're literally flying next to him. Right, exactly. You have the guy yeah, in the airplane wave. They're, 
they're inverted two meters over his <laughs> cockpit, like, and, and it's Tom Cruise and uh, 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 what's his name, Anthony Edwards. So um, we're we're just pitching the naked gun spoof of Iron Eagle <laughs> that came out like two or three years after all of this, where they they're yeah. like, oh, we're gonna spoof all these Navy pilot movies that are coming out or some shit, where it's just like. It'd be, it'd be called fucking like navy movie or some shit it would be called hot shots and they made it <laughs> <laughs> that's true uh everybody's so fucking funny everybody forgets about yeah. hot shots because for some reason everybody knows part do which is just the rambo uh, spoof yeah rambo because yeah. that's the one that would play um, on comedy central when yeah everyone already that's like the main up. one i know i like barely remember having seen hot shots hot like, shots part gotta... one is so fucking funny i yeah. i watched it not too long ago and then we went and played disc golf the next day and it was just me telling you and ali all the jokes that i thought were great <laughs> from it yeah now yeah, I, I don't want to watch Hot Shots again. So yeah, I gotta watch Hot Shots again. We gotta we gotta do a doofer too. I gotta watch them both. Um, at some point, uh, Chappie when he's like, uh, Doug's the most scared. Uh, Chappie in perfect uh, sync with his uh, uh, mission. Uh, Chappie says, "You gotta believe that plane you're in is like a suit of armor, an iron eagle that nothing can penetrate." And I'm like, "Oh, that's pretty good." Yeah, and then the crowd yeah, goes like, crazy because they say the yeah. name of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I sure did. That's why I wrote it down. Um, yeah, he's he's insisting. He's like talking to the enemy over radar or over uh, whatever they're talking, um, and he's like, "Demand you release the hostage, get him on the runway, or I'll just like destroy your oil refineries." He does destroy an oil refinery, and he's like, "Yeah, I guess you'll get an Im- be getting imported oil this year, you fucking." brown bastards he doesn't say that but he implies it um right as he arrives to the runway they shoot his dad with a rifle in front of him and he's like ah but it uh it's okay he really quickly find out his dad's not dead um the main like bad guy the like chairman whatever who's like sentenced sentenced his dad to death and stuff is like gas up a plane whatever i'm getting out there we find out he's a fighter pilot too uh so now with his dad in the cockpit with him, he's got to engage this guy. Uh, they take him out in like 20 seconds. It's insanely anticlimactic, and he gets yeah. out of there. Is there is there anything else from the – a bunch more MiGs like appear behind him, and they like got no chance, but his dad's proud of him. It's okay if they die together. They, yeah. they died doing the right thing, whatever. But then, uh, oh, my God, so many more uh, – Spotted on radar, coming right at them. They got you surrounded. Oh, nope, it's the Americans. You want to engage us in uh, international airways? You want to engage? Nope, turn around. Okay. And just the climax is done. It's insane how quick it goes. And now we just get wrap up for the whole thing. Just like... Like 98% of this movie is training up for a boring ass mission, dude, which I understand the limits of making this aerial crazy combat movie, but fuck, man, you guys fumbled all the important parts so badly. Yeah, it's wild. Um, yeah, like you said, Chappie's just alive. He's just waiting for them there. They're like, yeah, we might go to jail for like 30 years for stealing these planes and crashing one and all this stuff. But uh, uh, they insist that uh, uh, it, it was really weird because they're on like a German Air Force base now because it was like the closest place before they bring him home. But somehow when he goes to his like tribunal or whatever for him and Chappie to like accept their judgment, he's wearing his like eagles flight jacket from home yeah i don't don't know how that happened because he was wearing like full flight suit when he got into the plane 
maybe he had the jacket on under it. I don't fucking know. Um, but uh, they decide uh, they're not going to go to jail for their, but they have to keep this uh, completely classified. No one can know about this. Uh, and somehow he also gets to go to the Air Force Academy. Um, they they get home. There's like a newscast saying that they triumphantly freed this American. Nobody knows how. Everybody's keeping it hush hush. Whatever. Um, and uh, then an original song that keeps saying Iron Eagle. It's like Iron Eagle. Yeah, Iron Eagle. It, it, and then crazy a, synth goes into like crazy guitar riffs. It's a sick song, honestly. It, it is a dope ass song. Uh, <laughs> I liked it quite a bit, but it did remind me of just like a Charlie Kelly, like rock flag and Eagle, just like <laughs> sunny, just like nonsense fucking song. Cause that's what the, yeah, that's what, this is the movie that Charlie day likes for some reason. He likes this movie. More Probably. Than yeah. He's like, just this like, is, this is the one that he's like, Oh yeah, we got to watch iron Eagle. I watch this every night. This Yeah. This is his top gun. <laughs> um, yeah. Iron Eagle. I, I don't know. I gave it a two and a half. It's a movie. It's not good, but yeah, I, I gave it you, a. You, you get what you get. I gave it a two. Um, Could easily see giving it a two. Uh, there's not much redeemable here to make you like really like it, but it's not like bad. Bad. It's like wholly forgettable. Yeah. Like I'm sure by the time I go to sleep tonight, I'll like remember none of this movie. It's, it's like they made a movie. It's not. It's not one of these where I'm watching. I'm like, that's not even a real movie. What I just saw. Like they made a movie, but it just wasn't good. They made the wrong choices a lot of the time. Yeah. But what are you gonna do? Uh, Shawnee Smith, welcome back to the pod. She was on Armageddon. Yeah, dude. I love to see her. Love to see her in Becker. Love. Love to see her in. The various Saw movies. Yeah, all of them. She's also in The Blob. She's really good in The Blob. The yeah, she blob is good in The Blob. Kevin I, I think Shawnee Smith is good a really movie. good actress. Um, yeah, let's take a quick little break, and we'll come back with... Um, Top Gun. Yeah, the other one. Top Gun. That's the one. Uh, okay, guys, come on. And we're back talking Top Gun. See, I do know what movie we're talking about. Top yeah. Gun. Uh, right off the bat, I want to just say um, I liked Top Gun more than I remembered. I still nice. only gave it a three. Um, broad stroke on my feelings on Top Gun. I think for the most part, it's uh, pretty boring. Uh I don't think the subplot of Maverick and the teacher lady does anything for either their characters or the plot of the film. Uh, it's pretty just d- distracting. And then there's like that whole sequence where uh, fucking what's that song? Um, take my breath away yeah, by take, Berlin. Take my breath composed away. Composed by Giorgio Moroder. Take my breath away plays four times in like the span of fifteen minutes because they're just like, we just gotta we gotta get whatever this love subplot wrapped up in. Like, <laughs> it, it's literally like they compress. They're like, we're gonna introduce this girl, 
and have Maverick go after her to show again, just like to further show kind of like the kind of person Maverick is, how he's like this this kind of like hot shot goof who doesn't take anything seriously. He's distracted, he cares about other stuff. He doesn't get, get he doesn't care about flying. Uh, even though he's really good. He's like squandering his thing. So they introduce her and like that's kind of like all of that's fine. And then they're like, well, shit, we got to do something with this character. Uh, let's go ahead and just take like a 15 minute detour and speed run through that entire subplot. So then we can get to killing Goose and send him to war because we still need to show the American military doing good against the enemy. <laughs> Defeating, yes, in quotes, the enemy. Uh, so that we can show how strong America is in actual combat uh, instead of just showing, like, flight school. Um, which that's another, like, issue I have with the movie on the whole is just, like, that whole sort of thing, like, when they actually, like, after they, like, Goose's service and they graduate and you know go off to like on their mission feels very sort of just like hastily tacked on to the end of this movie but i do like the love subplot just because uh take my breath away by berlin composed by giorgio moroder <laughs> is such a banger i fucking this love this song, song. Did, did you fucking uh giorgio moroder also composed uh danger zone and and like multiple did other make tracks them, on because danger zone was made for this movie right yeah, both songs were. Okay. Like a bunch of songs were. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. There's some other songs. He doesn't do like the entire uh, soundtrack, but uh, those two original songs at least, um, which to me are the two really memorable ones. But I, I like this, the, the subplot of, or I mean, just like the kind of the main plot of the rivalry between Maverick and Iceman and them doing flight school stuff um, and all of that. Uh, that stuff like is really effective like as a story I just wish that that was the story like if yeah. it was just that and it ended with them graduating and we kind of just like leave it on a note that like and you let the audience just understand that Maverick is going to take all of this to heart and take Goose's final wish uh, of just like you know never leave your wingman to heart and actually do something about it and just be like well no i'm just gonna be i'm just gonna be a teacher now like i think we would have like you would have gotten the same thing without showing him because that whole final sequence is nothing but propaganda so right uh it it feels like that uh and it, i understand like, I all your it. critiques they don't uh distract from the quality of the movie for me but a uh understand i i'm i'm realizing issues. through this podcast that uh like pacing and flow of a movie is super important to me um and i i guess just like the consistency of that pace and flow is like what i'm looking for because as soon as like i don't have that like i tend to get like thrown pretty far off of movies like rhythm because like whether like you're coming at me with like from like the very start like the like a disjointed sort of like improvisational jazz like rhythm like keep that the entire time like Hasu is just kind of like this like wild fucking roller coaster from start to finish we're just kind of like jumping from like you know scene to scene like while keeping it's like like story moving kind of thing 
or it's like a really tight like straightforward thing like i just i need that pace to stay consistent and like that's like one of the weird things with top gun where like it throw it just throws me off these little like speed bumps that like kind of hits along the way one of those being like there's an important thing in the 80s of needing tom cruise to appear as uh hot desirable to women like a women want him men want to be him thing is like part of his movie star persona despite him truly being an alien from outer space a man not of this world in real life an actual little freak yeah Um, a horrible little goblin with I think he's an excellent tooth. actor he because is good. he he's somehow he's he somehow appears charismatic, which is nothing to do with his actual personality. It's like he's doing it all for the screen. He's like acting that charisma that yeah, yeah, uh, no. he doesn't he's, really have, I think. He he may be the greatest actor of an entire generation solely by the from the fact that his entire persona is an act like I don't think we've right. ever the closest we've ever gotten to seeing the real Tom Cruise when like that veil slipped is when he didn't know how to act like a person who was in love on Oprah right. so, like because that was him still trying to act like so clearly an act but like he didn't he got like the wrong notes on what being madly in love with someone is about and focused on just being mad um right in a hatter the, sense the, the your glib interview the yeah the oprah couch definitely so it's like you yeah. you get these little like facade like the the facade slips but otherwise he's like fucking everybody talks about daniel day lewis being like method and like going into this stuff like we've never seen the real tom cruise like tom cruise's method of like being a real human 24 7 it's like uh Call back to episode one of this podcast, The Prestige. Yeah, when, he's uh, living it, baby. They're, t- they're talking about the 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 greatest showman they ever saw was uh, uh, that guy who uh, pretended to be a hobbled Chinese man. Yeah, that's <laughs> that was Tom all Cruise. we ever saw, despite him just being a white guy who could walk normal. Um, yeah, so the movie starts out uh, really long, slow, uh, kind of thoughtful of just like people on. Uh, uh, navy like uh plane carrier whatever they call one of those things this was uh, planes getting ready and stuff i think this is like i wanted to use this as a way to sort of encapsulate my like point about like the rhythm of top gun the movie being just just off enough to like detract for me is this opening sequence because the whole thing and i get what they were doing like you know, it's like these kind of like glamour shots of the planes on an aircraft carrier. They're getting them into position. Everybody's like doing their thing, but it's playing this like, like soft chord porno jazz thing. That song is called Top Gun Theme. Okay. And um, <laughs> I, like I'm sitting here just like wondering if I'm supposed to be getting a boner while watching a bunch of like middle-aged aircraft pilot guy like aircraft carrier guys like just kind of like wave stuff around and then a boner that you don't know if you should expect a running theme in this movie yeah uh and then like boom abrupt and i i again i get the editing plane takes off immediately danger zone right into danger zone and it's like no we're rock and roll baby and (laughs) like and now i'm like am i supposed to have a boner because america's so strong like and it's like that uh, sort yeah, of I mean, like, yes, you are. <laughs> again, I get the choices. I get the editing. I get what they're doing. 
it's just a really weird flow for the movie to have i don't i mean and i also don't like i just didn't really like the just kind of like glamour shots of like like oh man i'm just so in awe of the power of the american navy uh and all of their planes on their big boats and look yeah. how gorgeous these, these are ideas in is. the 80s that we needed to go then have the gulf war but uh yeah yeah it, it's just <laughs> that's that american uh exceptionalism again, stuff aged like fucking piss made really well looks good i get yeah. it not for me weird sure. weird rhythm to open the movie on uh um, but then we've got but, we've got an incident we got a thing going on. We got uh, Maverick and Goose up there with uh, Cougar and Magic Cougar Man, and I think. Merlin, not Mer- Magic Merlin, Man. Yeah, that's Tim Magic Robbins. Man not is... a, does not appear nearly enough in this movie. Uh, Merlin is uh, Cougar's Rio. Uh, he becomes uh, Maverick's Rio for yeah. that final mission. Magic uh, Man a is guy, uh, a guy I love John C. Riley's second nickname in Talladega Nights. Uh after El Diablo, which is, his, <laughs> or no, that's, that's Will Ferrell's nickname, El Diablo. It's a Spanish fighting chicken. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, they're engaged in combat. Uh, they're ordered not to fire unless fired upon. Uh, yeah, so, so they show up. They're not to, supposed to be there. They think it's weird. Yeah. Um, uh, so they're doing this thing that they're not allowed to shoot. So what they have to do is get missile lock, uh, that, that sends a tone. It's tone is a thing we get is like a buzzing in the cockpit, letting you know that uh, enemy plane has missile lock on you. Um, presumably once you get missile lock, uh, they will get out of there rather than potentially be shot down. But this is just a, uh, defensive, like, uh, maintaining a perimeter, not trying to start an international incident. Um, so Maverick leaves his wingman, uh, scares the guy off. Um, manages to get tone or well the the enemy mig gets tone on cougar for a long time um this leaves cougar incredibly scared until he, maverick's he able starts to channeling, show up and fry him off he starts channeling his inner val kilmer from a movie that hasn't come out yet and just becomes the sweatiest person to ever oh, appear I on mean, screen this, this movie is incredibly sweaty all the shots of the cockpit especially on this aircraft carrier just everyone is so fucking oh, sweaty after goose dies uh, Tom Cruise is just sweaty for the rest of the movie because yeah. he's, I guess, having a panic attack 24-7. We'll get into more moments of sweat because they're ample. Um, but, uh, yeah, they do a little showboating uh, to scare this guy off. They get right above him. They invert their plane and bring it down uh, so that their cockpits are lined up with each other uh, about two meters apart. Uh, Goose clarifies about a meter and a half, he'd say, and uh, Tom Cruise gives him the finger um bold bold move crazy thing to pull off uh but of course uh overly reckless like maverick tends to be um this gets the enemy mig out of there uh but cougar is left uh rattled they're running low on fuel need to return to the carrier uh cougar just can't get his wits about him uh maverick disobeys orders takes off again to go to cougar and talk him through coming home he manages to get him home uh, but they get absolutely chewed out for this. Uh, Cougar turns in his wings and resigns. Um, he was supposed to go to this prestigious flight school Top Gun, um, but since he's out, uh, Maverick and Goose get to go in his stead. They so. get to go. They're the new number ones on the boat, so mm-hmm. they get they get sent. 
I don't know who that guy is, the the guy that's like barking orders at them, but he looks like Donald Pleasance. And uh, his name I love him for that. Is I've seen him in a ton of shit. He's just like a yeah. he's a pretty normal character actor guy. Um every time I think I can place him, I'm just placing a different Donald Pleasance role. Uh, I'm like, oh yeah, he's the president of the United States in uh Escape from New York. No, that was fucking Donald Pleasance again. James Tolkien. Uh, he played uh, Mr. Strickland in Back to the Future, so uh, because of that, welcome back oh, to the pod. Welcome back to the pod. Uh, nice. He's in War Games. He's in uh, the Masters of the Universe movie. Um, Fun stuff. I like War Games. Let me see if there's anything. What else is on here that you might uh, know? He's the pianist in Bone Tomahawk, a movie that you haven't seen. Um, yeah, keep going. I'll find something that you know him from. He's in Dick Tracy. He's, he plays Numbers. And Dick Tracy. Oh, okay. I love Dick comes Tracy. Comes back in Back to the Future 2. In- insane character. Movie. I love, uh, I love uh, Dick Tracy. If anybody hasn't seen the Warren Beatty Dick Tracy movie, I haven't seen it. Go. Oh, God. You got to watch that fucking movie. I know. It's like, it's just it's camp on my list. to the highest extent. Insane movie because for no apparent reason, Warren Beatty thinks Dick Tracy is the coolest guy in the world and has to become him. He gets his girlfriend Madonna to be in the movie. It's fucking wild, dude. You've got so many good bad guys in that movie. There's Al Pacino, um, fucking what's uh, James what's the guy's Tolkien. name that plays Rain Man? Oh, um, can't think of his fucking guy's name. Somebody's fuck, yelling I'm blanking at it on it too. What is that guy's name? Seymour oh, Castle? Dustin Hoffman. Dustin Jesus Hoffman. Fucking Christ. God, we're dumb. Seymour yeah, Castle's in it. There's some great guys. We're in dumb movie. fucking like, guys, dude. Every, everybody's wearing insane uh, face prosthetics, but God, well, yeah, and it's great. Because they, they made it very true to the uh, comic strip where, like, yeah. you. The, the Everything's insanely overstylized. Which is oh, great. Man, so. And I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's a bummer that Dick Tracy ended up being sort of like more of a cult film than. It is because, like, even though I've not seen the movie, I I know that it had this like exaggerated like visual style of like like a thing, and I think like the closest we get to it like coming back is the um like '90s Batman movies, the Schumacher Batman's, which is like these yeah. kind of like trying to um, make it like super true to the comic with building these like you know massive like golden age Batman style like sets with um. Or maybe that was like Silver Age, whatever. When Batman had like big props in his like fucking thing, sure. everything was a joke and kind Wachowski's of. Wachowski's Speed Racer reminds me of it too, just like super stylized yeah. to kind of match how the comic slash animation works. It's like a great um, way to fucking like tackle a like either animation or print, you know, uh, illustrative style to. Like live action, I guess Sin City did it too, um, yeah. To like really oh, yeah, great true. effect um, of just kind of like making these like larger than life characters come to screen, and if you do it in a way, if you treat it with the respect that the original creators treated it with, then that's going to come off on screen, and you're like not going to have people looking at those characters on the screen going like, "Man, that guy looks just, really fucked up," and I don't like it. Like it's three hundred as well. 
Yeah. About Sin City. So it's like two movies I have not seen since within about two years of them coming out, and I can't imagine I would like anymore. Uh, Sin City, I think, holds up like fucking phenomenally, but I love Damn, I that watch movie. Sin City again. I haven't seen 300 in a while. It might be a little too like rah rah machismo for me now, but I'm sure just yeah. like with how stylized it is, it's still like a good run. And I, I guarantee you, if you ask people, like those, like the people who made those movies, like, hey, what was like an inspiration for you on this like shit? They'd probably say fucking Dick Tracy because they liked it growing up or some shit. But love Dick Tracy. Anyway, we're okay, talking about to Top, Top Gun. Top Gun. Uh, They're in flight <laughs> school. Michael Ironside's uh, giving them some basics, opening about uh, uh, dogfighting. Um, Michael Ironside is. Uh, call sign jester i think yep um love to see my guy ironside in anything he's perfect in this role as uh, a gruff old no-nonsense uh military commander of some sort uh perfect just like in um starship troopers um at some point he's explaining just general dogfighting tactics we we get like a tertiary character who's also in flight gun who we don't get to know at all just flight, say flight gun i'm getting a hard on what i say flight, flight gun flight gun i said flight gun. yeah <laughs> oh, Lord. uh I but the it. character says i'm getting a hard on and his partner who he says it to says don't tease me i just i just wanted to write down uh some of the <laughs> the weird overtly gay lines in this uh weirdly gay movie it's, I, I mean that only in a good way i love how gay oh, this movie is yeah no I, I guess just to like piggyback on that to make it like very apparent that i love how homoerotic this movie is it's like yeah. that is just such like a wild and like i think i'm gonna have the same reaction because like, we talked about it last week it, i think it was on pod or not like of like nightmare on elm street 2 it's like yeah. Why are you making this movie have homosexual subtext? Like yeah. that is such like a wild thing. Like nothing from Nightmare weird. on Elm Street one says, "Hey, oh, absolutely not." Freddie is like a thing to make this sort of like gay panic and like make it try and make Nightmare on Elm Street a character study of like, oh, your greatest fears are like your homosexuality, which is like. No, it's not even ever been made clear whether or not like that was like the creator's like intentions on the movie where it's like they accidentally made this like phenomenal gay subtext of a film um and like the same thing with top gun where it's like there's doesn't seem to be any sort of like commentary on the fact that it's very homoerotic or like it people feels talking like about, an accident yeah like people talking about like getting boners about machinery and like there's a lot to yeah. unpack there like Right. with a, a whole bunch of stuff where it's like that's supposed to be presented as this sort of like alpha male like oh i like oh thinking about going to war has just got my loins all on a like thing but then it's more just like the the takeaway there is more that like the dude's partners just like don't tease me with your big cock like <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just like it's super male gazy but towards dudes like yeah. the entire time it's it's very bizarre and i'm it's so awesome that it's there yeah. because it, it is a highlight of the movie the tone of the movie the way it's going it wouldn't feel out of place if at some point maverick and iceman angrily fucked each other yeah especially <laughs> when they like confront them so like each other in the showers with only towels and, on uh, and uh that's when um val kilmer does the weird like bite thing yeah he just like like, chomps his jaw in a weird way 
Yeah, and like, uh, or it's sick as hell. I mean, it's like every time there is so much sexual tension between Maverick and Iceman. It's insane. They are just like angrily chewing gum at each other every single time they lock eyes. Like, presumably to fight off the urge to just fuck each other right then and there. <laughs> like, there's some sort of like gay sex addict chewing on fucking like <laughs> gay sex relief gum yeah nicorette for <laughs> fucking some guy uh, <laughs> it's wild yeah. yeah it's great it's, um it's yeah, so I, fucking another funny. another weird uh, i shouldn't say weird but uh, a line uh in that same vein um they are celebrating over a beer uh, just everybody at Top Gun's kind of at a bar together. Goose introduces uh, uh, Maverick and Iceman. Um, they uh, are drinking some nice cold bottles of Budweiser. Love to see that. Uh, <laughs> Goose uh, reminds uh, Maverick that they have a bet. The bet is $20. You've got to have carnal knowledge of a lady this time on the premises. Yeah. So <laughs> like, huh? <laughs> like, Oh man, there is so much to unpack with just like that one fucking line. Cause like, what is it? What does it mean? Did like, did Maverick just find some like loophole where it's like, nah, dude, I looked at his cock at the urinal and yeah. now like, I know what his dick looks like. So then I can come back to you and say, boom, like fucking, and you know, Maverick is just like six inches long inch and a half girth diameter like he's got the whole thing he like counted every pube and then like goose is like damn you really did get carnal knowledge of this man (laughs) uh or did one of them get so greedy for 20 bucks that they They just fucked a guy in a bathroom at a club just to show just to like come back to the other one and be like well, presumably it was Maverick. Like Maverick came back and be like, "You see right. that dude over there? Fucking let him ram me, dude. Twenty bucks, <laughs> idiot. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, gotcha." I I think this is supposed to be taken as like a playful jab at each other. Like, hey, don't be gay. You gotta get with a lady. But it feels genuine. Yeah, instead. it does. This the way it's presented, it all feels genuine. Um, they sing a song to Charlie to try to. Uh, break the ice with her it's fucking insane way to do anything and uh she blows him off but uh well i I think uh, there's he follows her to the ladies i think there's also some like unintentional commentary as well um like or at least like and this is i dude i'm like i didn't actually think about all of this while i was watching the movie but like talking about this has just got me like going back to the fucking college like research paper analysis days of just like do you think there's like an unintentional commentary made about how an entire bar of naval men join into singing this song like with i mean possible because it's a fucking insane scene where like because there's like that whole thing about just like all of those like jokes about like dudes from the Navy being gay and like singing show tunes and all of that like shit. And now you've got an entire men of Naval entire bar of Naval men in their dress whites singing a song in perfect unison where Tom Cruise, like Maverick is singing it to Charlie and goose is like helping him. But then the rest of the guys in the bar are just like, Oh, we're singing. it's like join in and again it's just there's 
There's a lot of unintentional stuff here. These fellas love to do a number. Yeah. Um, yeah, he follows her into the ladies' room. That's really weird. Super uh, sexually aggressive. Very bizarre. Yeah. Uh, Still doesn't work. Because uh, he sees her with an older guy. Some, some old guy, yeah. And she kind of like, as she gets up to go to the bathroom, looks at him. And it's very clear, at least like from just like the viewer standpoint, that she is just looking at him across the bar and like they accidentally like lock eyes. Maverick, whether uh, on purpose or just you know crossed signals takes this as oh you want me to follow you to the bathroom so that we can fuck uh so he does but just like straight walks in there and is just like all right you shouldn't be with that old guy because his pecker don't work or some shit I, you know i'm not really sure exactly what his intentions are but yeah. it's a very bizarre scene uh, super weird but thankfully uh, charlie does kind of just have some fun with him because she is presented as like a very intelligent strong, uh, strong woman which yeah. is nice yeah um we find out yes definitely she's a strong woman because uh the very next day uh she's introduced as this civilian liaison uh to the top gun program she's an instructor there um so he's gotta swallow his words real quick he looks embarrassed but uh quickly brings up uh his real life sighting of the mig uh showboating about it in in class uh literally just interrupts her to tell her about a plane he saw <laughs> i was like okay um and suddenly it's uh it's the first day of flight training um they're up in a jet uh being pursued by michael ironside jester in his own mig style aircraft uh, smaller, faster, more maneuverable, like just like the enemy MIGs. Um, and uh, in this exercise, uh, Maverick and Goose managed to win by uh, making a missile lock tone on Jester, but they do it by um, uh, dipping below the flights. I forget what the distance is, but dipping below its hard deck to a uh, dangerous level. Um, so there's kind of an asterisk next to their win. Yeah. They also decide in, uh, uh, a show of excitement that they're going to fly by buzz the tower. Something uh, the that Maverick tower. has already been yelled at about yes. in this movie. And he sure does that. And everyone gets pissed. They call him into the office. Um, uh, Tom Skerritt, who's kind of in charge of Top Gun, uh, uh, call sign Viper, uh, great mustache in this movie. Uh, chews them out because he's getting chewed out. The guy, uh, the even higher in command guy who uh, spills his coffee from the flyby, uh, is yelling about how he needs some butts. <laughs> you dumbass recruits buzzing my tower. I want butts. Uh, Again, stuff. just just going in there and specifically asking for dude ass. Uh, <laughs> even if the intention is pretty clear. <laughs> um, oh, while they're doing this uh, this training sequence, uh, the way they kind of outsmart, uh, outmaneuver Viper, uh, uh, sorry, Jester, is um, just they let him get right behind them, uh, start to get a missile lock, and right as he locks on, they uh, his Maverick puts it, hit the brakes, and he'll fly right on by. It works. They just stall out. Uh, let him fly by and they can pursue him from behind now. I wonder if that'll come back. Um, 
think the next kind of major scene is the volleyball scene. Uh, Goose and Maverick playing uh, beach volleyball against Iceman and his Rio. Um, insane outfits. Uh, like Goose is wearing the type of upcycled vintage 80 clo- 80s clothes as you would expect our friend Paul to be selling. He looks cool, but yeah. Maverick is playing uh, uh, no shirt, just jeans just on. Just jeans. Yeah. I'm pretty sure just he's got sweaty, a... Like, sweaty men going back and forth in this uh, uh, showing of power trying to beat each, beat each other at beach volleyball. I'm pretty sure he's got a belt on, which, like, yeah, you would need to wear a belt if you were playing beach volleyball in, like, full-length fucking long, long shorts fucking jeans like uh but for some reason like that just comes off as wild like it just makes the jeans oh, insane seem look, so- yeah. somewhat formal mm-hmm. she's like these are my nice jeans i, I, I wear them <laughs> to play beach volleyball so, like, i think uh, like it's supposed to come off as this like impromptu just like oh we were walking around and Iceman challenged us to a game of beach volleyball called us a bunch of pussies said we couldn't beat him in beach volleyball and i said i'm wearing jeans and he said pussy and then now i'm phew, not going to back down from that. So now I'm playing beach volleyball in my jeans. But the problem is we hard cut to Tom Cruise playing beach volleyball in jeans. Yeah. We get we no setup for anything. I don't need it. I don't want it, but no. Yeah. <laughs> but that makes the implication that that's just his normal beach volleyball gear. He showed yes. up like that to play beach volleyball. And it's possible too. Uh, um, so, but he's we, got, we a have dip. seen a, we, yeah, we have seen a couple of scenes now of, uh, the intensing, uh, intense, uh, rivalry between, Maverick and Iceman. Uh, Maverick uh, is a little foolhardy. He's reckless. He doesn't care too much about the rules. Yeah, and Ice, Iceman is done. Iceman's very by the books. That's his yeah. where how he got the name. Yeah. He's he's very cold. He's calculating. He does everything for a reason. Textbook. They're, they're both insanely good, but yeah, Iceman's textbook. Whereas Maverick's reckless. Um, but yeah, he as you said, he has to bounce. Uh, he is late to meet Charlie at her house to tell her about the MIG. Uh, he shows up late, bangs on the door, has to come around. Uh, she's just kind of sitting there eating lettuce. This is the whole uh, sequence where uh, Take My Breath Away plays four times in like 15 yeah, minutes. Yeah, and it rules. That song's so good. Um, yeah, pretty much every t- It'll just cut into a close-up of Tom Cruise smiling. and Take my breath oh, away. Oh, and he's, he's doing young Tom Cruise, like still oh. nervous about his fucking middle tooth that they haven't right. fixed. Scientology hasn't fixed yet, where he's doing that like that tiny weird mouth smile. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing it's great for audio podcast for me to smile do a Tom Cruise smile but he's like he's making his mouth as small as possible yeah. and still his, smiling his teeth are way less fucked up than like in the outsiders and stuff oh yeah uh, they've they've tried to do they've done some but Invisalign has not come along with, yet with, yeah with 80s technology he doesn't have he doesn't um, have the full brunt of Scientology just to just like hide him for the, uh, a time yeah insanely when he walks in to her house um he he says if you don't mind i'm just gonna take a shower while you're finishing here she says i do mind i'm starving <laughs> it's insane to just walk into her house and be like yeah i'm gonna use your shower while you finish cooking me dinner. yeah I, but uh because it's like you would have gotten sweaty playing beach volleyball and then riding a motorcycle along the california coast to get to your sexy military civilian girlfriend's house um, but I mean, you've definitely made matters worse by playing beach volleyball in long jeans. 
Right. He's also made himself late. He wasn't supposed to be playing right. volleyball. Um, so this scene's insane because they're getting closer. Take my breath away. Keeps playing, um, but just uh, she says something like, "This could be a problem." As she's gazing into his eyes lovingly, they haven't like done anything yet. Um, but she's falling for and, him, and she knows it. Yeah, yeah. We we know it, but it's it's not out in the open. It's not. It's not clear yet. whether Tom Cruise, whether Maverick knows it or not. But we think he does. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he just gets up and says, "I gotta go take a shower," <laughs> and he yeah. leaves. Cut to the very next scene. He must have been doing something on the base or something like doing something intensive. Uh, they run into each other in the elevator, and she just says to him, "It looks like you need a shower." Yeah, <laughs> just three times they talk about taking showers in like five minutes. Well, it's so fucking weird. This is this is the part of the movie where it's like we like everything fucking grinds to a halt, and we just take like four scenes to just get this Charlie subplot started, yeah. like. It's we're like we got a we got a three act play happening in three scenes, uh, and it, it I don't know if it's supposed to be the next day or if he showers is still kind of wet because he's in a rush throws on his like dress whites or whatever the fuck and then shows up to base still a little wet and it's like I th- I think it's supposed to be the next day or like a couple days down the line, but they're still continuing the shower. And the fact that edit puts it there, yeah. they talk about showers so much in such quick succession. Um, um, but the, now it's they, like, uh, I forget exactly what the next scene is. I, you the, have the, it. the next scene's Meg Ryan showing up, oh. uh, Goose's wife. Uh, she's just kind of there. She's like, Which, uh, young Meg Ryan. she's like, wow. So, so Goose tells me you're in love with a civilian instructor. And Goose is like, I can't believe you said that. That was supposed to be a secret. Young Meg Ryan. She's like, is no, a lot, he did. He um, said it. It was a lot hotter than who uh, the actress that plays Charlie. Um, Goose, Goose wins here. Uh, because we've been running well, a loose we've been running a conversation win. about which character's cooler, Goose or Maverick. It's always Goose. Um, Meg Ryan's character is insane too. She yeah. just like shows up and yells in a kind of country way, but she's like super cool. But so so now our we're we're in the second act of our three act scene structure, and um, this is when uh, they they get up and sing a song. Uh, all together because we needed more. No, 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 we no. More no. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. We're not there. Yet. Oh, because well, well, that's like the very next thing. They go to a bar together. No, 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 no. I'll guide you through. So Meg Ryan just shows up, and she's just here for a little. Yeah, bit. it's like but parents' in the day background. at Top Gun or yeah. something. And so, so Deuce <laughs> brought his wife. <laughs> so, um, what happens next is uh, they have the class where she's using uh, Charlie's using the like bleep bloop. LED dots uh, showing the recreations of their f- flight fight things against uh, Jester and uh, pointing out how Tom Cruise uh, didn't go by the book and he uh, flew too dangerously. It was a success, but is an example of what not to do. He gets upset. He drives away on his motorcycle. She chases him really dramatically in her car, shows up and says, if I say, I see some brilliance in your flying, but if I were to say that in there, everybody would see right through me. They'd know I'm falling for you. And they just yell at each other for a while and then kiss. It, uh, it's such a wild temper tantrum for Maverick. Like it, sort of like it definitely like it fits the character but it also seems out very out of character to me where he literally throws like a child's temper tantrum because his like corporate stooge girlfriend told him that he did a bad job by not conforming to the very thing she's been telling them to do this entire time 
And it's just like, right. I wanted you to think I was really cool in my plane. <laughs> and you didn't. All the other guys yeah. thought I was really cool. Look at fucking yeah. Johnson's Johnson right now. He's fucking cock hard over there. <laughs> and you're not even fucking moist. What is this? One of the guys does I'm going to get on my motorcycle and leave. Yeah, one of the guys in that class does whisper to him, uh, that's some of the best flying I've ever seen. Yeah, exactly. And or that's some, what, like, triggers like him. He's just like, she doesn't, she doesn't get me. I'm going to go, I'm going to have to go drive now. But they kiss. Uh, there's a really weird sex scene where they're, like, backlit. It's pretty dark. And they're, like, bathed in blue light, just, like, kissing each other's bodies and silhouette and stuff. It's pretty weird. Um so uh, he got pussy. That's cool. Uh, the next day they're going to uh, fly another mission. Uh, this is when they say the the classic uh, line to each other, Maverick and Goose. I feel the need, the need for speed and smack each other's hands. It's pretty fun. Uh, they're super excited to realize Viper is up there flying for the first time against them. Uh, Maverick uh, abandons, I think, Maybe I think it's Hollywood is his partner. Uh, yeah. His his he's Hollywood's wingman. Uh, he abandons him to go try to catch Viper himself. Um, Jester manages to uh, take out Hollywood and then come assist just as he's getting the upper hand on Viper. Uh, Jester takes him out and they fail. Um, they get yelled at again for being foolhardy and uh, abandoning his wingman and all that good stuff. Um, so this is where we then get uh, they're at like a bar or restaurant or something. Um, everybody's hanging out. Uh, Meg Ryan's being absolutely crazy, telling stories about uh, his ex-girlfriends and his sexual exploits and stuff, including about Penny Benjamin, who is uh, Jennifer Connelly's character in Top Gun Maverick. Uh, it's, it's cool that they made that a character. They've already got like a couple of seeds of her. Um, and now this is when we get the... <coughs> Really famous uh, whole family singing uh, Great Balls of Fire um, with uh, Goose playing the piano, Baby Rooster uh, sitting on top of the piano, Miles Teller's character from Maverick. Um, great great line, just Meg Ryan being weird, uh, where she just yells from the table, Hey, Goose, you big stud. He says, That's me, honey. She says, Take me to bed or lose me forever. He says, Show me the way, honey. And then they all sing Great Balls of Fire as a family. Um Good, good stuff. Uh, gives us just enough time to love Goose, uh, love his wife, uh, see that he's a loving father, a great family man, right before the mission in which he is killed. Um, they're uh, um, Iceman's wingman, but Iceman, being by the book, uh, isn't willing to take the shot. Uh, finally, they convince him to get out of the way so Maverick can take the shot and win the mission. Um, but, uh, something jet wash. I'm not really sure what this is. I don't know if this is like, um, yeah, I have no idea. like a, a drifting thing, like the separated airspace or whatever. If you get into that and you lose control, I don't really know what it is from a technical standpoint, but it's something that happens that causes some sort of loss of control of your plane, uh, which they do get caught in. Uh, they're unable to turn out of it or anything like that. So they're forced to eject, um, as they eject, uh, Maverick says, watch out for the canopy. The canopy shoots off. They go to eject, and uh, Goose is tragically ejected directly into the floating canopy. So he's dead uh, before he even hits the water. They land in the water and are rescued. Uh, very, very sad. We love Anthony Edwards. We love Goose in this movie. Um, Goose is the best character yeah, in the whole re- movie. Really quickly, we're, uh, it, it all happens really fast that um, 
Maverick is like absolved of any guilt. Um, it wasn't his fault. He was unavoidable. Uh, these things happen. Tom Skerritt tries to talk to him about how you're going to lose men. Um, but you got to get back out there and fly again. He tries to console uh, Meg Ryan, uh, but how can you really console her in a situation <clears throat> like that? I meant to bring this up earlier, actually, but uh, Anthony Edwards also in Revenge of the Nerds playing Gilbert uh, alongside Larry B. Scott. So little... You know, two years earlier, both of them are in a movie together, and they say, "You know what? I, do you think they fought about it? Do you think they were like friends and just like I'm going to be in the best Navy airplane movie? Like, no, I'm going to be in the best Navy airplane movie. Um, or do you think they're like normal human beings and didn't really talk to each other because they're probably not like actually friends? Yeah, that one. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but good stuff though. Yeah, I love it. Thanks. Uh, I hadn't even thought about. There's a revenger. There's a nerd in both of these. Movies. Yeah. Um, we just got to get Booger in Top Gun somehow. Call God, sign. Could Booger. you imagine? It's just him. Like it's just his character. Like he, yeah. like oh god, that'd be so fucking funny. Just like if like movies just started pulling these like Saint Elsewhere style, just like crossover bullshit, where it's just like yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, what do you guys want to do for um, Top Gun? Well, I thought we would have a crossover with Revenge of the Nerds because Anthony Edwards was in Revenge of the Nerds. And uh, yeah. we're going to have Booger. He graduated and started designing flight <laughs> systems for the Navy. Um, yeah. And he, it's his character. And we're still going to call him just Booger. A, and he's, he's just, just going to be a mad scientist character just like doing stuff in the they cut to him for gags in the background. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I'm. Booger was so funny in that movie. He was wearing like gimmick T-shirts like before that was a thing. Mm-hmm. I just, I remember specifically he's wearing uh like a graphic tee that it's literally just block letters on a shirt. It looks like they weren't making graphic tees like this back then, but it just says "Give me head until I'm dead." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just like wearing. Um, they're not even like the novelty tees you would like see in the '90s and like early 2000s as like right. a middle yeah, school. He like had to get this made. So these are like, you know, 2022 shit post style, just like yeah. words on shirts. Yes. Yeah, and it's and it's sick. Uh, that's a grail now if you can find one of those. Um, what else happens? They want to get him back in the air as soon as possible, but he's completely lost his nerve. He's scared to engage. He's scared to do anything. Uh, he quits Top Gun and is going to leave. Uh, Charlie tries to talk him out of it. Uh, he blows her off quickly. He doesn't want her help. He didn't. She's like upset a little bit that he doesn't come to her for help. Uh, he says he didn't want to or whatever. Uh, he checks in with Viper at his house and Viper gives him kind of a pep talk about there's, there's some like ghost haunting him about how, uh, his dad was also an excellent naval pilot, but did some mission that's become classified. Cause it sounds like he did the wrong thing and bad stuff happened and he died. Uh, Viper, uh, tells him th- this thing that's strictly classified that he saved, Everybody's lives had to go down, but uh, uh, it's got to be classified because it's uh, unorthodox methods. Um, and uh, yeah, after some uh, driving his motorcycle, looking at planes and stuff for a while, he decides to show up to late to graduation. And uh, he graduates. Everybody's proud. He congratulates Iceman on winning the Top Gun trophy. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got a real mission. Everybody's just got their orders. They're leaving the next day to go to the Gulf or wherever. 
um, back to the same, it seems like the same naval vessel uh, that Goose and Maverick were originally on uh, to fly a real mission. Uh, There's a real enemy threat uh, threatening. I don't know if they're threatening specifically this aircraft carrier or what they're threatening. It's never really clear, but what's important is everyone is absolutely dripping with sweat. <laughs> um, as as I mentioned in my uh, uh, synopsis, uh, Hollywood and Iceman are the two that take off in the fight. Um, Maverick's waiting as backup should he be needed. Hollywood gets hit immediately and goes down, so Maverick's in. Uh, Maverick's freaking out. We get the uh, the classic uh, talk to me goose line, uh, and he's holding Goose's dog tags and gives him the strength to uh, uh, summon his courage and join the fight. Uh, yeah, they, they fight for a while. Uh, Iceman's severely outnumbered, and Maverick manages to pick him off one by one. Uh, Iceman gets shot at some point, uh, but he manages to stay in it. Uh, and, uh, I think they had six MIGs on them, uh, take out, I believe four of them and the other two get the fuck out of there. Uh, way more climactic and good ending, I think, despite it it being really weird, uh, (coughs) form wise for the movie that they're literally like, okay, you beat Top Gun time to go out there and do a mission. Cause yeah, like you said, we need to see a mission, uh, a real mission. It's this sort of like. Um, why am I blanking on the like this like postscript of uh like a it's just it's it's like feels like an afterthought of and here we go on a mission and yeah it feels almost like when we were talking about Wyatt Earp when the movie's over and then they cut back to that story of Wyatt Earp uh protecting the prisoner yeah exactly it's like yeah it, this one I mean syncs up better than that but it def- definitely does feel a little disjointed like you understand that they need to show us a real mission and actual victory for our boys but uh uh yeah it feels like a weird way to slot it in at the end here Mm -hmm. Uh, but they succeed he buzzes the tower again (laughs) like a little fuck he is um he has a big triumphant hug with ice who says uh that uh he could be his wingman anytime maverick said no you could be my wingman anytime uh in some sort of weird act of closure, he throws Goose's uh, dog tags into the ocean. Uh, <laughs> don't know why he did that. And uh, he's going to go back to teach at Top Gun. Uh, he uh, maybe is giving it another shot with Charlie. Um, you see them reconnect at a bar. She plays the song he sang to her uh, on the jukebox, and the two uh, reunite in some way. And then uh, one of the best. Uh, tropes maybe uh, i don't know how to phrase that um for credits rolling is just showing every single character showing their character's name their actor's name and just like it, the whole scene is a still or slightly moving just a little snippet of them that's how all movies should have the credits maybe um but yeah yeah it's, it's um, I, I love top gun i'm glad you brought up the credits because i did I didn't put a note, but I did find it bizarre that Iron Eagle has a blue t- uh, like credits card. Just 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 royal blue with bright yellow uh rolling. Yeah, it looks like cheap VHS bullshit. Yeah, not really much point in talking about it beyond it's fucking wild looking. Don't know why they did that. Yes. Yeah. 
Whereas, um, uh, whereas Top Gun credits, the platonic ideal of credits to me. Yeah. They do the exact same type of credits for Maverick, which is great. Yeah, I love just seeing the characters again and the actors that played them. Um, uh, Predator has incredibly good ones. Yeah. Uh, same deal. Oh, same or deal. Uh, like, and also like double points for that style of credit if you also tell me what those characters went on to do afterwards <laughs> animal house style yeah no. um yeah even better if your dumbest character always ends up being a u.s senator yeah <laughs> even better when uh it it says what they went on to do but it just says dewey cox died seven minutes after yeah. his performance <laughs> fantastic all right also how elvis should have ended oh my that um, so good yeah i like top gun a lot um, I actually think Top Gun Mavericks an even better movie. Um, as far as just a movie goes, the trying, technology we have makes it. Oh man, saw it in. Uh, I think it's still in uh, theaters. Screen X. It, it was uh, this past weekend when I went to the theater. Um, I can't see it being gone uh, this week, but there's a lot of stuff in theaters, so maybe soon. Um, yeah, Maverick rules as well. Hope you watch it. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, definitely keeps up the pace. Is a lot more exciting overall. Um, but I think both movies are great, um, and it gives nods to this movie without doing the like, oh, this is how they set up that. So this is that. It's just like, yeah, it makes sense that Rooster is in the movie. The child from this movie yeah. grows up and he's in this one. Yeah, it's sure. great. Um, yeah, I love Top Gun. Iron Eagle's probably a pass. But that's okay. Yeah, you don't need to watch Iron Eagle. Um, it is on HBO Max for the time being. Uh, who knows if it ends up being another Discovery casualty. But uh, if you do want to watch it, it's there for free. Uh, so that's nice. Um, um, Val, we love you, but unfortunately our uh, Valentine's three-weeker will have to come to an end now since we will be moving into October mm-hmm. and with that, scary movies. Yep, we've got some coming up. We're going to keep them a secret hush hush very we don't want to scare anybody too early it's not october yet um but if 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 by chance you don't get an episode next thursday it's some in some way due to me losing power or dying yeah and then going uh, forthcoming going on a trip to europe uh (laughs) oh yeah i I literally forgot about that aspect yeah so um but hopefully we get one in the can that's the plan right now if i keep power long enough to get one done we'll have an episode we've got we've got the movies watched and ready they're in the can um in that sense but we, we just gotta wait it out here you know acts of god and all that but um yeah, we're we're doing scary movies for all of October um, again, so keep keep an eye out for that. Um, but for now, this has been Doubled Feature. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Doubled Feature and Doubled Feature on Instagram. You can also send an email if you'd like to Doubled Feature Podcast at Gmail dot com. Um, and please rate, subscribe, review the podcast wherever you can. It helps us uh, grow the audience and grow our reach and extend out to some more people who want to like hear us talk about three uh, Val Kilmer movies for you know almost an entire month. Um, but 
for now, we'd also just like to uh, thank Ryan at Ryan Laser for our theme music and Sam at Hero Institute for our logo. You can read his webcomic Life of a Stepdad on his Twitter page and also our uh, webcomic that he and I do together, Nerds Day, uh, at our uh, site, nerdsday.com. It's about Dungeons and Dragons. You can also follow Dan and I on Twitter and Letterboxd. Dan is at Danny Jankum and I am at Mac underscore dead. Check us out there. You can see uh, tweets and reviews. Um, right now, I'm like it's just all football related because it's football season for me uh, as well as just liking random shit um dan i'm sure yours is pretty similar um saw you tweeting out some hot hurricane tips here ahead of the big storm yeah, i'm gonna i'm gonna keep people safe yeah thank you uh his first one was just in case anyone was unaware uh fried chicken is shelf safe um it's the breading if you're gonna lose power yeah spend the last uh, little bit of power you got frying all the chicken in your house because that makes it shelf stable because yeah. the batter protects it um yeah exactly so you know follow dan for some uh, great tips like that if you are uh you know staring down the barrel of a category four hurricane um that's it that's it for us um this week thank you again for listening dan do you have any last words for the people at home uh, forgot to think of anything again. Uh, uh, you're my eyes, Max. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye bye. Uh, okay, guys, come on. Let's go. Double feature. 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 Double feature.